Hello, everyone. Today I'm joined by Tara Darnley, the CEO of Darling and Co. How are you doing today, Tara? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thanks for asking. Can you tell us what your company does? Sure. Darling Co. is a lifestyle kids brand. Uh, we also have one of the first Black owned baby registry with over 100 products. So anything from toys, apparel, anything for your kiddos. All right. And what inspired you to start the business? So Darling Co. actually started about eight years ago when my then daughter, um, well, I keep saying then, when my daughter, she's still my daughter, <laughs> when my daughter, who was three months old at the time, started teething. And as a new mom, you know, we get warned about everything except that teething stage. Mm. And our, when she started teething, um, the teeters that were on the market, you had to just hold them to the baby's mouth, her being so young. And um, my husband at the time came up with the, the product, the Yummy Mitt and Mitten, which is a teether that essentially the baby is able to um, wear on the hands like a glove and self-soothe themselves. So that was what inspired the company and launched over 100 products today. Wow. And how did you get the funding to start the business? So we self-funded in the beginning, used savings to start the company, uh, make the first prototype, follow the patents and the trademarks and mm. that good fun stuff. Um, it was self-funded and we kind of did like pre-orders in the beginning stage to help with the manufacturing process um, or paying pay for the manufacturing part of it. Um, mm. But get funded in the beginning. What was the process like filing the patents? Was it kind of like smooth sailing or was that like a learning process? It was definitely the learning process. Um, I think when we started at that time, uh, we didn't know anything about business. I didn't have a business background or, you know, go to business school. And we're from Brooklyn, New York. So I remember kind of just calling around like different business um, orgs, trying to get some information on what to do, making sure we were doing it. And we didn't get any callbacks. <laughs> and I actually remember one of the, the companies, I won't say the name, but mm -hmm. they called like four years later. And the lady literally said, I'm going through voice messages. And I was like, man, four years later. Um, and I couldn't believe that. So that actually started like something else to kind of help other entrepreneurs along the journey. But it was definitely hard. Um, again, not knowing what to do. I just started to do some research and I saw that one of the things that stood out to me as a Black founder was just historically, we didn't own our invention, we didn't own our ideas, and I wanted to change that, um, especially for my daughter. I wanted her to have the story, but also have a piece of paper that tells her, like, you know, this was invented not because of you, but, you know, just because of you, but having that proof to say, here's the invention on paper, so here's a patent. Um, so it took a lot of studying, actually self-filed, because uh, I didn't have the funding to hire an attorney at the time. The quotes we were getting was like thousands of dollars. And I was just like, oh, we don't have that. <laughs> um, so I started to do some late night research and started to do the paperwork and the drawings. And we self-filed and it actually went through. <laughs> so thank God for that. So self-filed the first patent and the trademark. But I just knew... Um, even though I didn't know much about business, I knew that that was something that needed to be protected. 
Um, and so I'm always big on telling entrepreneurs, like protect your ideas, get your trademarks. If nothing, like just get your trademarks. Right, right, right. And you mentioned that you're the first Black-owned baby registry. Yes. So uh, what is the idea behind that? Yeah, so uh, during COVID, uh, as you know, we were all stuck at home. And at around that time, there was also a heightened increase and people wanted to purchase Black. And so we started to get a lot of inquiries of, you know, baby items. Oh, you're a Black-owned um, shop that, you know, creates baby products. And also parents weren't able to have their baby showers in person because of COVID. But then people wanted to shop for them like, OK, you're going to miss your baby shower. Can we at least shop for you and, you know, drop off some goods? And then both of those things combined, people wanted to buy Black and also buy for their loved ones. I was like, well, let's create like a registry where they could essentially shop or create this um registry and gift their loved one with the link to say, hey, this is all the items I want. And it just happens to be that all these products are black owned as well. And so that's what really inspired it. And people actually started to create their registry. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and we were able to like get partnerships with like Chase Bank. So like now we provide Chase Bank customers, like all their, their customers that's expecting a little one, we provide them with a welcome gift. Awesome. And can you speak to the importance of selecting the right manufacturers and developing, you know, good manufacturer relationships? Absolutely. Um, COVID taught all of us that. <laughs> it's important to develop good manufacturers because no one had anything like raw supplies was just limited across the board. Um, and I think it's also important to have multiple relationships. Um, so having a backup. So if your main products is say shea butter, like have a backup supplier as well, because the first one may be out or something just may happen. Um, so I highly recommend having multiple backups of whoever your supplier are, um, are, but just keep that relationship with them. Don't just keep it as a transaction. I think just like we treat our customers, like you don't want to treat your customer just like a transaction. And so with your supplier, like have relationship with them, ask them about their family. Like, you know, how's your family doing? There's like a human behind that there as well. So I've always tried to build like a good, you know, repertoire with our suppliers to make sure that relationship is strong and they're loyal <laughs> to us as well, because that's important. Um, COVID also taught us that a lot of suppliers were treating their best clients well, so they would get supplies um, I remember there was like a shortage of bottles, for example, not sure if you heard about that, but um, having like cosmetic products, there's like a shortage of like plastic bottles and like literally the larger companies were buying up all these supplies. And so small brands couldn't get anything. But if you had a good relationship with your supplier, they're like, you know what, I'm going to hold some for you. You know, you're, you've been a good, you know, uh, customer. So it's super important to just have like a good relationships and and be clear with them on your desires to grow and what you can bring to them as well because it's a two-way two-way street definitely definitely it's supposed to be a mutually beneficial relationship right yeah, absolutely so speaking about your business growth can you share what type of growth you've experienced since starting the company until now yeah, we've definitely been able to grow over the years. I think for me, it's always important to share not just a dollar amount, um, but just like the proof of it. So for us, like 
coming from a team of two to now being able to have employees was important and like local employees where we're providing to the community as well. And it's ongoing relationship with like, you know, schools, colleges to like have those relationships is important. Um, Retail partnerships, um, if you wanna look at economical growth. So like now we sell on target.com, Walmart, um, and also like Amazon, those channels but just really partnering with um, not just large retailers, but even smaller boutiques um, gives back. So I think we always look at, oh, she's in Target, that's great. But like, what about the smaller shops that you can partner with? Because there's a family behind there as well. So we always want to make sure all our partnerships are strategic and they align to making sure our customers have an easy experience in getting our products wherever they shop. That makes sense. And what do you attribute that growth to? Our customers. <laughs> customers and brand awareness um, is super important. I I love that we're at the stage now where it's people telling each other about the brand. Um, organic, I call that organic marketing, where you know, someone aunt may buy the product and then she passes it on, and then the grandma might find out about it. Um, that's something we actually learned, uh, I think around a time where we had like an appearance on, I believe it was a Steve Harvey show and we had like an influx of like reviews, but they all kept saying, Oh, I'm a grandma. I'm a grandma that purchased your product. And I was like, you'd look at your ideal customers, but Mm -hmm. we weren't looking at grandmas. And that was like a huge mistake for us. Um, so once we learned that we kind of own into that as well, because, your customers is so diverse and it's just literally people sharing your products if you have great products and great service. So I think that's one of the things that we definitely could contribute to our success is just like our customer base growing and they're sharing, they want to see us win. Um, so definitely the customers have been a part of our growth. And speaking about learning from mistakes, what are some things that you've learned along the way that helped you uh, I guess that helped improve your business operation? Uh, I think all small business can attest to this. Um, lack of inventory is always a struggle and mm. keeping up with demand. Um, I think we all want to have like popular products and our products selling through fast, but no one talks about the anxiety <laughs> that comes with not having a popular product selling out. Um, So over the years, I think that's one of the things that we've definitely worked on mastering is just like making sure we have stock of products because it sounds okay, like, oh, I'm sold out. But then in reality, it's not because you don't want your customers to have that experience. So over the years, we've kind of like, you know, witnessed and had that challenge of like constantly being sold out um, here and there of different products. So now we've kind of owned in on that and figure out better systems to keep up on top of inventory, order in advance. So we're projecting, you know, those um, products being out of stock before they are. So I think that's one of the things I'm proud of today that I can say when you go on the website, everything is not out of stock. Um, And that makes me feel good as as um, as a founder to be on top of those things. And it could be just to someone listening that may be small, but it's a huge win when that's like a constant struggle um, for, for us as a small business. That makes sense. And are there any other best practices you can share that have helped you operate your business um, effectively and efficiently? 
Absolutely. Um, one of the things that's worked for us is also you asked about like capital um, earlier. It's just like we've raised, we've been able to raise funding, equity free funding through grant opportunities. So if there's grant opportunities that's out there, go tell your story. Um, for me, it's so many capital focus around black founders and not enough of us taking advantage of it. Um, for example, when I go to these competitions, it's kind of the same face you're seeing. Um, because no one really wants to go out there and pitch and, you know, there's that fear of failing. Um, but there's also that win in just showing up. I can't tell you how many times people have reached back out, not just um, the judges, but like just contestants, like reaching out back and saying, I saw you at such and such event and this opportunity more aligns with you, or I met this buyer and I told them about you because I heard about your product. Um, so just showing up for yourself, asking questions. Um, again, didn't start with a business background. So a lot of the things have been learned through trial and error mm-hmm. or, um, you know, in the last two years or so, I was like, you know what? It doesn't make sense to struggle alone. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to start asking these questions that I don't know because it's okay to not know. Like we don't all have the answer. So started to ask investors question and people who are, you know, mentors that literally love to do this. Like they just want to sit down and have their brain picked because they're retired and they have nothing, well, not nothing to do, but they are intrigued with your story and you right. know what you're doing. And so I've had incredible mentors in the last two years um, because I've never had one. And I remember people reaching out like, I want to mentor you because I see all you're doing and you could do better. And so reading, taking that help, not being ashamed of it and, and, and actually implementing what you're being told. Because um, when you implement what people tell you, they're going to keep pouring back into you and, you know, obviously pass it on to someone else as well. So right. they ask for help. Okay. And what are the, what do you enjoy the most about being an entrepreneur? The freedom, <laughs> the freedom. Like today I woke up at 11 a.m. <laughs> the freedom, like, you know, um, I think we all were, I'm finally at a point after seven years where I'm comfortable at where we are in business, where I'm not constantly working. I feel like we leave our nine to five and we think entrepreneurship is it, but that's a damn lie. Like I have on my shirt, it says like entrepreneurship is 24, it's 25, seven. Um, It's true. You come and you think it's going to be easier, but you're working 60 hour week without knowing it. Um, And I didn't realize the trend. Like I was just on this like constant high of going, going, going. So this year has been probably the first year where I kind of just slowed things down and started to reflect on the successes and take inventory of those things and enjoy it um, and make, start creating that goal for myself of what do I want from all of this? And it's not working all the time. Like I want to be a creative, but I also want to enjoy it. Um, So that's been the most rewarding part. It's just like enjoying it, spending time with my kids when I want to. um, And that's what it's literally all about. Yeah. So that kind of leads me to my next question, which was, what does a work-life balance look like for you? Well, we're going to throw out the word balance because <laughs> that don't exist. Um, I think it's work-life grace. Let's say work-life grace, giving yourself grace to do what you can, do the best you can, 
Um, I'm not going to say don't work at all, because in order to get your business to where you need it to be, you're going to you're going to put in some hours, you're going to put in some time, but don't beat yourself up about it. Um, I that in priority is important. And, you know, saying priority is important and saying, OK, if my priority is spending time with my kids, what does that look like? And it's also OK. I think we're in the, the day and age where you can tell your customers those things, too. Um, so setting rules around your company. So if your business hours are eight to five, it's eight to five. It's not eight to nine. Um, and customers understand that you're a real person. Right. And yeah. so if you're going to create rules and boundaries, set them, be clear on them, follow them. I remember the beginning stages. I was like, I'm so tired. I'm working nine o'clock in the night, midnight. And it's like, who's making you do that? You're making you do that. <laughs> like, you know, if your customer emails you at 1 a.m., I used to be the person that answers. And then when they kept doing it, I got upset. But I'm like, you're setting the standard. Like you're setting the standard as a robot because right. they're not feeling target at 1 a.m. expecting an answer. <laughs> um, so create boundaries and, you know, set those rules for yourself and everyone else around you will, will eventually follow. Oh, that makes perfect sense. And what if you could wake up tomorrow as an expert in any business related skill, what would it be? Oh, that's a good question. I don't think I've ever been asked that question. Oh, an expert in any business related skill. I like creating and inventing and coming up with ideas. So I would say just perfecting that where if I come up with an idea, I can see the result in all aspect of how it's going to be successful immediately. That would be my expertise. Okay. Like if I come up with an idea, it's like, okay, it's going to be successful. Go for it versus <laughs> testing it out and failing. <laughs> so you want a crystal ball is what you're saying. Yeah. So maybe that's not an expertise. Maybe that's just like a superpower. <laughs> <laughs> superpower okay 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 that makes sense and lastly what are your future goals for the company my future goals for the company is to just keep growing um we're gonna stay a family owned family-led business as long as we can and keep giving people what they want you know safe products for their little ones i think that's our top priority from day one mm. where we use products that not only our family can use, but just everyone can have that peace of mind of using our products confidently. Um, so that will continue to be a goal for us and just listen to our customers and continue to grow with them as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tara, for stopping by and you have a great rest of the day. Thank you for having me, Tony. No problem.